All right, welcome everyone back to Telecom Radio One. We are continuing our series titled Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. And today, I'm very fortunate to have Michael Moore on the show, has a lot of great experience, uh, great experience you know, managing upwards of 11,000 end users, uh, revenue uh, within the $1.8 billion range, and you know some great stories. But Michael, welcome to the show. Just actually, I'll let you give me the bio. Why don't you give me a little bit of your background, uh, you know, where you come from, kind of how you got started, and, and we'll start there. Oh, thanks a lot, Phil. Um, uh, great to be uh, on here. I really appreciate it. Um, I've actually got a, an interesting uh, story. I actually started um, over at Linkcare about 16 years ago. And uh, how I got hired at Linkcare was actually I was uh, working in the cafe at that corporation during, uh, um, during my uh, college days. And uh, while I was there, I networked my way into uh, the help desk manager and got hired on the help desk. So when I was in there, uh, we did help. I worked on the help desk, uh, sysadmin, uh, team lead of the help desk, uh, uh, t- a team lead of the uh, system administrators group, um, was a uh, um, SAN uh, guy for a while. Then, uh, um, you know, then basically moved more into the management and started management of the infrastructure and then management of the support and then became a, a director, which uh, basically took over the telecom network infrastructure uh, support all in one so and that was that's you know to sum it up quickly that's the uh, um, that's my link care uh, experience but that spanned over a, a period of 16 years uh, that's actually super awesome so that's you know cafeteria to um, you know IT director um, that's uh, actually pretty that's actually a pretty sweet jump and because a lot of times on the show I'm talking about do you what kind of you know what's more important experience certifications or MBA uh, so clearly in this situation um, it sounds like it was experience and personality to be honest with you probably the leadership I, I think that's that's actually um, pretty accurate. Um, one of the things that I uh, that I try to do in the companies that I work for is focus on the people. I think that the the company's best asset are the hardworking employees that promote a positive culture, and uh, you know they're they're kind of a fuel that powers its engine. Uh, so my my goal is to retain uh, the employees that I have and then train them up. And when you say, you know, the experience, I, I hold that pretty high. Um, I think not only experience with um, IT, but experience within the business themselves. Uh, a lot of times it's companies, uh, focus is put on the, on the, you know, how well somebody is technically. But I've found that some of the most uh, um, adept people that I've had, uh, have had a clear understanding of what the business does and been able to translate that technically. Mm, very important because a lot of... The other theme is is quite often there's a lot of technical managers that may fall into the engineering mindset, and that's I don't want to you know stereotype engineers either uh, because they're humans too. But um, you know the what would you say your philosophy is around uh, communication and end user communication? Because a lot of times we hear my network or I'm engineering my network, I'm trying to engineer the, you know, the dream network or the perfect network, but it's really not your network, it's our network, and it's a network that everyone has to use, and if that network doesn't support people and support their jobs well, then what's the point? 
No, you're absolutely right. Actually, one of the, I think of all the things I've done, the help desk job that I had was probably the most important. Um, in fact, it's kind of the face of an entire organization uh, from an IT standpoint. Um, you get to interface with the people that are working. And I always find that um, when I go and speak to um, support folks, they tend to have a, a clearer understanding of what the business is doing than uh, sometimes the engineers and uh, system administrators and architects. You know, and that's not a knock to knock to them. It's just that they're the, from a help desk standpoint. Um, I mean, they're in it every day. They're talking to the end user. Mm. Sometimes their conversations or um, you know that they have with them help under help, help fuel that understanding. Wow! Wow! That's really cool. I'm actually really into surveying lately. I, I think there's a lot more that can be done with surveys, whether it be surveying end users, obviously just speaking to them one-on-one, answering the phone, but actually capturing data, even recording calls, recording help desk calls, I think would be pretty cool. And I'm sure people do it, but what about recording calls and then transcribing those calls into words, really looking at what our end users use from even a keyword standpoint, really getting very granular about it. I'm pretty sure no one does that. And I'm working on implementing a program right now where we get real granular with the end users so that we're speaking their language, really understanding what they do on a day-to-day basis. That's a, that's a really interesting uh, thought process. It's, I, just, I kind of fell upon it, to be honest with you. And it's the more I dig into it, it the, the crazier it gets. And I start to, I actually did it in reverse engineering as well and did it with IT directors to, to figure out, you know, and started asking them, how do you communicate with your end users, which is actually what we're doing right now. Um, and you get a lot of words like the right vibe or you get, uh, struggle, struggling with speaking technical to people. That That's one is how do I explain technical to people? Um, because every organization has a different group of end users. Some might have a group of truck drivers. Some might have, you know, doctors, uh, all these different end users. And, and they all speak different languages and, and need products to do things differently. So becoming the end user whisperer is uh, a, a big job for IT directors to do. I think you might have stumbled on a concept, uh, automated uh, knowledge base. So uh, I think that's where, that's where you're headed with that. Yeah, so I actually do, I do have something that I do for IT directors. This is not at all where I thought this conversation was going to go, but I do <laughs> do, um, I do, do a, a special survey uh, for IT directors and help them survey their end users. And it's, it goes beyond the, the survey monkey approach, right? I really want to survey end users. We want to find out you know, what's your single biggest struggle, frustration, XYZ, whatever it is. Take that information, keyword it, and find out what those keywords they're actually using and then feed them back to the IT director so they can speak to their end users so they really feel like they're being heard. Um, now, obviously, you've done that naturally and it may come from, like you said, working in the cafeteria, sitting uh, at the... Um, you know, sitting on the help desk and really kind of getting the, the live feedback, people's frustrations, what they're hearing every day. I think it'd be interesting if you called the IT help desk and they answered really, really exciting. One, one, oh. <laughs> one of my first jobs was, was working at Starbucks as a, as a manager. So I remember calling the help desk and it was like, who am I talking to? Imagine if they were the, the most exciting person in the world to talk to. That'd be cool. Um, anyways, totally I, I, I also worked at a Starbucks. So <laughs> I think it's like one out of one third of the population has <laughs> at some point in their life. Um, and then I think it's their, I think that's their, their trick to get people to buy their coffee. Cause once you've worked there, you get coffee for free and then it's like you're addicted for the rest of your life. 
Well, you know, you, you, you say this, it's actually an interesting piece. If we step back to what you were just talking about, about the, um, about listening to end users, right? I, I think you can, you can start a conversation about innovation, uh, just there because, uh, innovation, uh, um, I believe comes with listening to the end users and understanding what they need, uh, to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big, a big piece of it. That's huge. And then if you really want to get crazy and blow this up, how do we take that, give them what they need and then track it so that we're actually showing measurable, measurable results that drive the business forward and take a business acumen standpoint versus a IT is a cost center. Where can we cut costs and cut yeah. the budget? Absolutely. IT needs to be a revenue generator. Yeah. And it uh, can be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it can be in every single situation. Um, I think you just got to find, um, you know, I was talking with, with John Santee last week. He said, just find the small wins. He's like the difference between like the regular IT director and the, the guy that comes in with business acumen is he's going to find some small wins, be able to correlate and show business growth. Um, so, Hey, we are actually supposed to talk about a, a challenging project that you dealt with, how you dealt with it, how that, uh, you know, how kind of like the, the whole project, how we put that, how we project management, how does an IT director take a large project, project management, communicate with the end users, uh, deal with the vendors and kind of make this whole thing happen. And you have one that's right up my alley, which is a, a large telecom deployment. So I'll kind of let you give the general overview and we'll go from there. Absolutely. The uh, um, company uh, uh, that I worked for um, had close to, well, had probably a little over 700 uh, um, locations all over the United States. Um, they were all using local phone lines, um, which meant they were all dialing long distance uh, back and forth throughout the uh, company. Uh, they had multiple lines at each at each location. Uh, it was a very uh, very disparate um, uh, system that they were using, and and, and clearly not uh, one that's hard to keep up uh, because yeah. you're constantly trying to uh, call different vendors. And we're talking about at some point there was over, uh, you know. I think 300 different uh, vendors of phone services that they were using. Now, let me, this is like a dream job for me, just so you know, this is like, this, <laughs> this is like anyone could come in and make this situation better. But <laughs> are you telling me POTS lines, analog, like copper T1s or T1 CAS, or did we have PRIs? What, what were we dealing with there? No, we're talking about POTS, plain old telephone service. Absolutely. All right. So yeah. this is going to be like a slam dunk. I can already, I can already tell, but the changeover is not going to, is, is a totally different story. But as far as money wise, I'm assuming you killed it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, we were able, upon project completion, we, we were saving the company over $3 million annually. So it's a, it, it was a, a massive win on our end, um, but it was clearly not an easy project. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you, you probably, you had MCI, AT&T, you probably had Verizon, you had, you know, Southern Bell, you probably had every ILEC that you could imagine that you could deal with. In that there were so many moving parts to this project. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the big deal on here, and I think, uh, you know, as we kind of step through this, the first part that really uh, saved this project, and, and I can't stress this enough, is how clearly we established the return on investment. The ROI was, was you know, decided upon, shown to the leadership, and they said, yes, we want to move forward with this. Um, that was a big, big uh, deal 
because as we moved forward with the project, um, we hit several unexpected challenges. Um, mm. You know, things that uh, you know we didn't even know would be a challenge. Um, mm. For example, oh, for example, uh, you know, you kind of I think people kind of take advantage of internet connectivity. I, listen, I you know how many people at our house you, you sit there and you, I'm connected to the internet, I can stream what I want, and I don't ever think about it until it goes down. Right. I don't yep. think about it until it starts my, my show sits there at 30% and it won't, it won't show it. Mm. Um, well, what we ended up uh, running into is not bandwidth limitations, but latency problems, um, on the internet camp and connectivity. So, um, what would be, you know, broadband working in, you know, let's say Tampa, um, and it would work great, you know, We'll go out to Walla Walla, Washington, and try to do internet connectivity, and now you've got uh, um, you know latency problems. So yeah. eighty um, milliseconds round trip or something. Oh, like and, and they would affect uh, it would affect the performance. Awful. I mean, you know, you'd have people sounding like robots. You know, I mean, you, you, we didn't expect that, but if you think about it, it makes total sense. You yeah. know, if you're a uh, if you're doing web in a in Walla Walla, Washington, your internet's just slow. You know, a page takes longer to open if you experience latency. Yeah, but it's not like it disappears. It's not like dro- a dropped call. It's not like <laughs> right, right, right. So if you're on a phone and, and all of a sudden you've experiencing latency, all the your your voice cuts in and out, or yeah. your or the drops completely, um, or you get even phantom calls. People would call up and they would just drop. So <laughs> you know, chasing this down was also a nightmare because we also had over two hundred different. Uh, companies that we used uh, for internet service. Oh god! So were you doing like Wireshark's and Moz scores and running all kinds of different stuff like that? Or yes, nonstop. Uh, exactly what we were doing to try and find the latency piece. We actually uh, um, purchased a product that um, uh, that would allow us to measure uh, um, measure this uh, as well and in, in different pieces. So we could actually put um, you know a computer from on one end and a computer back in the server room and we could measure end to end simulate calls and you get you end up you, you basically you had the ultimate finger pointing the ultimate carrier finger pointing problem <laughs> or you call uh, an yeah. internet vendor like hey it's not us <laughs> it's yeah, you. That, you know and as you step through this and and our pace that we we moved at was was very aggressive in fact um we were able to do about 700 locations in just over a year so um you can if you put that together and start looking at how fast we were moving through uh, doing 30 or 40 uh, sites every week, it was, uh, um, uh, you know, it was painstaking. Uh, awesome. As we're doing this, the same people that are working to on this project are turning around and supporting it, you uh-huh. know, and, and taking calls from end users that are uh, um, unable to, you know, taking cell phone calls from end users that can't use yeah. a regular phone, right? So, now, oh, well, let me ask you a question. And please uh, forgive me just because I do this all day, every day. And I always, uh, you know, so I see things from doing these, from doing multiple projects like this. So are you telling me you guys cut over before with, with the, the latency issues? Or did you still, were you still using the old kind of like Prem-based PBX and you had like a digital phone next to that, like, like a non-hot cut? Or you guys did a hot cut in many situations? The, we, we, we went entirely over to VoIP. And, uh, um, complete cut, no, uh, uh, not uh, keeping the same phone over. So <laughs> okay. it, was, it was put the stuff in and move on. So it was drinking from the fire hose when the problems came up. Absolutely. So, okay. so now we have people calling us and we've got issues. So we actually had to slow down the project. 
and turn around and figure out uh, you know, what we're going to do on that. So what we ended up doing to fix the internet connectivity issues um, is we went ahead and established a, um, uh, you know, based on, and the problem is, is that, you, you know, once you put in VoIP, you have a lot of reporting that you can get about phone calls. But before that, you don't have a lot of reporting about phone calls. So we didn't know the volume of phone calls per location. We knew that some <laughs> were bigger than others, but we didn't know how many calls were coming in. So we had to go back and pull the reporting and we figured out based on the reporting of the, of the size of sample that we had already done, we were able to figure out what, uh, you know, how many, based on how many customers uh, each location had, um, how many, how much call volume they were going to get. Bandwidth and, needs. Bandwidth absolutely. And then we translated that. Yeah. Then we translated that into bandwidth needs and we actually set up tiers of locations uh, where you had, uh, um, you know, the larger locations that, you know, where I said, these are just going to require MPLS regardless uh, of any type of broadband. We're going to hit at it. It's not going to, it's not going to work. It's just too big and mm-hmm. too much volume coming in at the location. So it, it, we had a certain cutoff for MPLS. And then, uh, you know, and then after that, it was, you know, high, um, uh, high volume uh, uh, um, broadband, uh, you know, uh, and then we would go down from there. But the cool so, thing is you had the, you, you, had, you had the budget. I mean, you you had already you're already saving. I mean, the savings is ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Not only not only can a project like this, which I run into a lot, not only can a project like this save the company a lot of money, be fraught with various different issues if you have not been through it numerous mm-hmm. times, but in the end, it can actually increase your network speeds as well because you're reinvesting in your core network. Um, maybe taking voice off of it, maybe seg- segmenting it or, you know, whether you're doing, you know, SD-WAN or like you're in your case, MPLS, uh, you're also creating uh, redundancy, network redundancy, but probably increasing your, your network speeds along with it. At the same you're time. right on, you're right on the same page. Exactly what we did. We, uh, in some cases we were increasing them and some, in some cases we were completely segmenting the voice off to an MPLS circuit um, and now splitting the traffic. So you do have some redundancy in that point. Awesome. So, okay. So, so go on with this wonderful story. <laughs> so, uh, if we had not established that ROI, I wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, pitch the MPLS, uh, circuits at like the top 150 locations, but we were able to do that. And then I was able to pitch that, uh, that cost. And, and even with that, we were still set, ended up saving uh, the three mil. I mean, it was just, it was that much of a, um, that much of a, of a difference, but, uh, you know, some other challenges we hit were user adoption. And here's an interesting one about this. Um, even though we were putting in these, these, these shiny new phones, right? And mm-hmm. our executives wanted this, and it was going to save the company money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wanted these phones. No they key system. They, they yeah. want line one, line two, line three. Exactly. They really, they love their own phones. So we had to actually create a, a need and a want for these phones and we basically had to go back and almost remarket, uh, you know, why these phones uh, were good for the organization and and why they would ultimately be good for, uh, um, you know, for the center. And uh, um, I ended up doing that in a couple different ways. Um, we worked with, uh, uh, you know, the communications department to push out several communications out to the end users so they saw them. Um, we once we uh, um, put in the new phones, um, what we did is we sent them links so that they could look at the number of phone calls that they were getting on a database basis and actually keep it, keep track of it. And mm-hmm. uh, one of my talented uh, um, 
uh, uh, employees uh, actually created a, a, a website to do this uh, so that they could uh, they could actually uh, pull from the Avaya pieces and, and, and show the data. And it was it was a, uh, a fantastic way to once they once they started realizing that they could get the numbers on how many phone calls. I'd say how many phone calls they were taking, but it almost turned out to be almost phone calls they were not able to take. Um, they were able to turn around and go, "Look, it, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I need another person. I've got more, you know, I've got more yeah. calls than I need." So it ended up actually um, uh, creating uh, um, a rework of the, you know, uh, of the, uh, you know, of the FTEs out in the organization based on how many, uh, how much volume they were getting that they couldn't yeah. get before. Well, I mean, Lincare, in I would assume, is a very labor-intensive business in general. I would assume that, you know, obviously with this number of users, you know, staffing appropriately due to call volume, they weren't be they weren't able to do all that before without the reporting. If they don't know the call volume, how can you staff appropriately? Absolutely, and that was, um, I mean, they they had some idea based on, uh, you know, the orders and stuff that they uh, they would parse through and. Uh, but yes, it was, uh, it, it was very challenging to staff appropriately, uh, based on that. I think that was one of the major pushes, uh, from that time, uh, uh the, uh, CEO, um, said, you know, yeah. that reporting was the number one reason why he wanted this. Yes, he saved money, but it, it was actually reporting that at the end of the day, uh, actually sailed this project through. Um, it, once they started seeing the reporting, they were able to make massive changes and improve customer experience. Yeah, data. I mean, it's uh, it's data that you didn't have before. I mean, even fast forwarding to today, if you think if you look at how fast Unified Communications has evolved, you know, even today, you've got that whole kind of omni-channel experience. You've got, you know, and even in call centers and even just general users, like what we're talking in this case, you can have, you know, live, you know, live call bars and reporting and real-time reporting, you know, across the screen at the same time. Not only that, you can have you know, chat integrated and numerous other things. So awesome. It, it, interesting. You bring up the omnichannel that, it, you know, that, that is a concept that, you know, um, uh, you know, we took while we were there and, uh, you know, and basically, uh, um, started to champion, um, in the difference between the multi-channel and, and omnichannel multi-channel allows you to use any medium, right. You want at a time omnichannel, right. Is being able to take, those mediums and pass through them uh, seamlessly with a user, right? So you take a, a you know a user at a contact center um, and say, and we and I call them contact centers now instead of call centers, right? Because that's yep. where that's where we're going with with telecom. It's just merging with infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you take a, a person that is chatting with you, uh, you know, and take and and all of a sudden has a question that requires uh, engagement. You know, and you can seamlessly get them onto the phone and and talk with them. You know, it's a, it's a big deal, and and where people come from is a big deal, right? So if you if you bring them in uh, via phone, and the only thing you can engage with them is a phone, you can bring them in as a phone call. You don't really know is their phone number, right? Maybe you have a database on the back end that's able to pull that phone number and start to get some information about them. But if you can get a customer coming in through the web or coming in through a, a mobile application. The amount of information that you know about them is uh, is uh, uh, endless, and you can use that information and design some uh, uh, revenue generating ideas and uh, uh, to you know help sell them, upsell them, and 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 it's good for the customer and good for the uh, the user. 
the yeah the the applications are are endless. I mean, real estate obviously is one big one. Like, look at Zillow for example, right? Zillow, someone gets on, they're like, I'm looking at houses for fun, or I'm looking at a house, or I'm looking to move, or I'm looking to rent a place. They enter in their phone number, boom. The next thing you know, there's a real estate agent on the phone. It's amazing. It really is. It really is. I, I was I was I attended a uh, a conference with um, I was a via um, probably about a year ago, and they seamlessly showed me um, chatting with uh, with a robot. You know, uh, and moving on uh, when the robot didn't know the answer, seamlessly changing over to an agent uh-huh. that had all that history, right? And then when they were ready to place the order, seamlessly uh, jumping onto the phone with that same a- agent. It was uh-huh. it was remarkable to see that displayed, uh, you know, in real time, uh, sitting in the room, and it was it was pretty impressive, you know. So where where telecom is going in, in with this merger of infrastructure and uh, and mobile and all is is a pretty exciting place. It's awesome. I'm actually redesigning a website right now, and I contemplated doing all chatbots. <laughs> I think I don't think people u- are using chatbots, right? I think I think chatbots could be hilarious, could be really great. I think your theme around a website could be chatbots, could be really funny. It's actually one of the top themes of the year. Um, my my one of my friends Jesse Nolan, who who runs up Tab Geeks and has like a really cool um, like a no sales guys allowed Slack group. Um, he he sent has sent that to me. But like one of the top themes of the year was you know a, a website that's just all chatbots. That's amazing. Um, you know, and then those chat box, like you know, could could link with a live human being. The whole omni channel experience. Anyway, we, a little bit off hey, track, but hey, on track. Yeah, yeah, but some of these chatbots ha- have some better social skills than some of the people that I've <laughs> talked with. So. <laughs> 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 True. Like I said, could be funny. Uh, uh, so anyways, you're, I like the, the end user piece and we're trying to resell it to the end user. So you had to resell to key stakeholders on this big project, resell to key stakeholders. Uh, and you did that via reporting and uh, you know, the value around whatever saving on labor. And, you know, so the hard costs where you saved them $3 million, that's the hard costs. But there was a whole nother level of soft costs that, that people like to talk about that were probably uh, unmeasurable, especially when it comes to labor, because labor is really the biggest controllable cost that I would say just about every business has. It's their biggest controllable. So if you helped in that situation, then it was much more than 3 million that you saved them. Uh, so that's cool. Um, so you, so you get all these phones rolled out, you slow it down because you start having, um, some of these, you know, garbly latency jitter issues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when you ran into those latency and jitter issues, you know, let's just pick one that was like the worst one with the people complaining and driving you absolutely nuts. I'm assuming what, how quick was the solution to fix it? And how did you, how did you pinpoint the issue? How'd you fix it? Well, did you just throw bandwidth at it? Like so many people do, like so many people are just like, screw it, just throw more bandwidth at it and that'll fix the problem. Or how did you kind of diagnose? Well, there's, there's always a couple. So how I fix uh, issues is, is an interesting uh, thought. I always try to fix a couple different things. Um, obviously, you're always trying to fix the technical issue, but there's also a component where you have to fix the perception as well, right? So uh, what we what we did at some of the locations that were really bad is we actually sent out a presence there so that it so there was a person on site. Um, remember, we, we we did all these things and since they're all remote. We had to do um, all these remote. So there was a website that we had with information and uh, uh, directions on how to swap over phones. The employees actually swapped them themselves. 
and, and, and got through these. And we, we had a third party services that assisted in walking people through uh, this procedure. Um, always fun. But, yeah, always fun. <laughs> So when they got to a point where they were, um, they actually had major problems and we had, and, and, you know, wasn't an easily diagnosable problem. Um, we would actually send people to the location so that they were visible. And that's, that's the biggest piece uh, when it comes to troubleshooting. Um, the biggest piece of troubleshooting is ensuring the customer that you're working on the issue. Uh, that's, I don't care. You know, that's come, comes from help desk men- mentality, but I think some people kind of uh, forget that sometimes. Uh, no, it's it's like rep- it's like respond to the email with working on it or I got it or mm-hmm. answer Absolutely. the phone. Don't go dark. Going well, dark, it, going dark then, while you're working on the issue is not acceptable. Yeah, absolutely, and then and then also taking that while you're working on the problem and providing updates. Right, so we we would conti- we would up our communication with these uh, locations that were having these problems, and we would involve them in the process. We would bring them in, say, "Okay, hey, listen, we're gonna we're working with this third party entity, and they're gonna tra- test this, and we're gonna run." Uh, there, at some point, we were actually dialing, uh, um, you know, and we had some third party uh, uh, third parties that were helping us uh, dial over and over locations just to identify, you know, uh, if we were getting dropped calls, um, mm. you know, and there was, you know, we had, I remember having, uh, you know, little parties afterwards where we were sitting there doing nothing but, uh, um, you know, calling on our, our cell phones and, and phones, uh, different locations to see if we could get them to fail and then recording that, uh, and seeing if we got any <laughs> dropped calls. So, um, you know, and then we would, and then once we identified w- what the problems were, because some of them were random and trying to identify it, then we would hone in on those, those pieces and start knocking off one by one what, the, uh, you know, uh, what was or could not be the issue. Um, internet connectivity is one problem, but how do you sometimes decide if it's the carrier or if it's the local network that's having a problem? I mean, we went all the way from the carriers all the way into the actual phone firmware. So, I mean, we, we went, we went all the way through the problem, you know, getting and ensuring that, you know, the, the wall jacks were fine and, and, and going through that piece. I mean, we just sailed through a whole bunch of different, uh, um, spots. We ended up getting it through that troubleshooting and always is the case. We ended up strengthening the, the local network at the locations and the carriers. So, you know, it was a win-win. You're just mapping everything out, you know, absolutely where everything is. There's no longer, I don't know, like you said, like, well, a bunch of pot signs, maybe sitting with some dust on them and paying for pot signs. They do something. Who knows? It was a fax machine from years ago. Uh, Now, you know, everything, you mapped everything out from this entire project. Uh, Not to mention save money, but um, the the headache factor was, uh, you you had to have been very patient through this entire thing. I'm sure sure there's a few days where you'd rather crawl back into bed under the sheets, but. um, It it was one of those projects that was very challenging, but. Um, you know, at the end of the day, after we kind of got through the major issues and brought in multiple uh, resources, we actually at one point had created a, uh, a you know, a Venn diagram uh, of all the uh, all the suggestions from all the different uh, vendors and basically mapped it into, uh, you know, a cluster. W- what are most of them saying, <laughs> you know, is the, are the issues. And then we used those and, and we just and we just cleared through each one uh, and, and knocked them through. And, uh, at the end of the day, we were able to kind of push through that entire project, uh, and, uh, you know, through completion. 
So you're telling me you got multiple different answers from multiple different vendors, all, all, all various different ideas of what it could be. And you put them all on one page. That's absolutely right. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> uh, who said we could get the same answer from someone that knows what they're talking about? Uh, uh, okay. Awesome. Now you've got a lot of other uh, projects, obviously that you, that you took through that, that we could talk about. I, I say, I think there's, better to say what's your general philosophy when it comes to um when it comes to project management or or planning right like everyone has strategy i've heard people say before you know i've got all the strategies i got that what i need is planning what i need is good planning so um what would you say is your philosophy around planning so uh, that i mean that's a that's a really good one um i think for what you need to do uh right off the bat is put down everything you possibly think that a uh, that even if you're just jotting things down, but every possible thing you think you're going to have to touch, uh, um, you're going to you're going to run into who who you're going to need questions from. You should just list it all, list all this stuff, and do this in a meeting with multiple people because you're not you know one person's not going to be able to understand everything, and everyone's got different experiences. So take all of that and start listing it all down. And get it, and get it almost a brainstorm of of what you need. Um, once you get that list down, right, then you can start to organize and prioritize that list and build your dependencies. Um, put the you know durations of when you of of things and when you think that they can be completed by. Um, you can start to assign cost and and resources, right? Because that's another piece to it. Um, uh, onto that onto that mix. So this project is not only going to cost me this much money; it's also going to require that I uh, um, use these many people that I already have. And on top of that, um, turn around and spend uh, you know um, x amount of resources, uh, uh, x amount on professional resources. Uh, this is needs to be all mapped out before you have that. On mm. top of that, on top of that, you need to make sure that you have accurately defined what the business wants from this project and that they have signed off on that, uh, on that want. So clarify that. that. And because to me, that means to me, when you say what the business wants, that to me means what are the expected results and how is this helping the business drive revenue? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely, or save costs, but yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that is a, uh, um, it's an important concept because, um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I've seen projects where uh, this has not clearly been mapped out and, uh, and they've had to be, be been redone, you know, or they've had to stop them in the middle and, and say, hey, this is, this is not what we wanted. Um, and, oh, huh. and in some cases that, you know, Can you give me an thought, example of that? I want, to, I want an example, just so we're real clear on this. At what point has a project been developing something and someone's saying, no, this is not what we want. Um, this is wrong. It's like, you know, that, that cartoon, that, that viral cartoon that's like, you know, you know, here's the wheel and they leave me alone. We're doing work and they're pushing something around with like a square wheel type of thing, you know? Um, give me an idea. Where's this project that was off track and, and you had to say, stop, this isn't, I just need a picture of that. I'll give you, I'll give an example. Um, it, there was a, a project that was, uh, that was being worked at Lincare um, in a, a fairly, a, a, a fairly uh, large scoped project. But part of that project was taking paper uh, forms that uh, um, you know our, our, our drivers would go out and and uh, fill out for people at the at their doorsteps. 
right? Um, and then they would have those those people sign those forms. And there was lots of forms, but they're all paper. That come with we a delivered your oxygen tanks. Yeah, here. absolutely. Come okay. with a clipboard. Sign here. Now sign here. Now sign here. Now sign here. Right? It's really, uh, yep. it, it was really cumbersome, yep. and uh, and also doesn't kind of provide the the you know the right uh, look to to a company. Hey, here's all my paper. Nobody does that anymore. Right? So <laughs> so they turn. So in turn, they said, you know what? We need to uh, move these tablets. We're going to basically uh, make these forms electronic and put them on tablets. And here you go. So I did a ride along. Uh, with the uh, uh, with the organization at one point, and because um, I wanted to see how this tablet, these new tablets, worked in the field, um, I got there and I watched a uh, um, a woman. It was a elderly woman, uh, and she was uh, um, you know she was try- going tra- through this tablet, and I watched her try to sign this tablet once, and then they passed it back to the tech. And then he hit a few buttons and then passed it to her again. And we continued doing this for the better part of 10 minutes back and forth with her signing on a tablet. Now back and Increasing forth. time. Increasing right. time. And it actually increased. I was at that house for like 45 minutes for one stop. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I know I, and the, the service rep was a 30-year uh, you know, service rep. And, and, he, and we got back in the car and he's just like, this provides no, uh, it's just, it's harder for me. So yeah. here we we think we're innovating, right? But, but we're not, we're actually going backwards and making it harder. Uh, so they, they paused it and they went back and looked at that. Uh, and, and what they've decided to do was consolidate all, even though we, you still have to go through all the forms legally to consolidate it to one place to, uh, sign, so that, uh, um, you know, they've acknowledged that they've gone through all the forms, but they only have to sign one time. And, yeah. and that's really where that, uh, the, that benefit got changed. But that was an example of somewhere where someone said, here, now it's, it's forms, but yet it still didn't meet the business requirement. It's classic. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and otherwise you end up with a bunch of people rolling their eyes and you end up with some equipment, you know, that's, uh, I, I can feel that. Uh, my my father healthcare is a, healthcare is a big one, and my father's been a everyone in my family is a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember he, he's older now; he's eighty two now. He had his hip replaced, and I was in the in the hospital. And there's just you know a machine sitting in the corner with like all these cords unplugged. It was like it was a mobile, um, you know, like a mobile EMR type of record system machine, brand new, sitting in the corner unplugged. And then then the nurse rolls in another one that she's actually working on. I'm like, Hey, what's this? And she just, you know, rolled her eyes. She's like, that's the new system. And, you know, obviously, um, it didn't get rolled out that well. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, anyways, um, so great example, um, actually need to, and, and that's just more examples of communicating with end users and making sure we get it right. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, the, we, we were talking before, you, you've gave me some bullet points before about just in general, encouraging new ideas, um, you know, recognizing, celebrating people, um, maybe just give me a couple ideas there or what's your best, what's your best practice there? Because I think a lot of times we might have, again, fall into the engineering mindset, fall into the, the typical, maybe stereotypical IT director mindset. What are some things or, or any tricks or things that you do that might be unique to you around encouraging new ideas, celebrating people, that type of thing, innovation? 
uh, so when I was in uh, college, um, even though I, I graduated with management, management information systems, um, I actually took uh, several marketing courses. And, uh, and this is, um, is something I would, uh, you know, even if you don't take the marketing courses at college, I, I, would, I would encourage people to go and look at marketing because I think it's a, it's a big deal when we talk about how to uh, not only sell uh, the projects you're working on, um, but afterwards to ensure that they've uh, um, been communicated. Because if you make a win like this, right, you need to turn around and you need to communicate that you made that win to everybody. You want to celebrate that. You want to uh, you want to show that. Uh, look at how we're making the company better. Look at the the staff that helped to do that. Right. It 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 helps the comp. It helps everyone in the company feel better about the company. Um, it helps a uh, um, when we talk about this innovation culture. It helps promote that. You know, it, it, interesting statistic by the way. Uh, there, there was a survey uh, done with uh, Deloitte uh, in 2018, and they they found that 43 percent of millennials uh, expect to leave with their job within two years. And uh, 28% of millennials expect to stay beyond five years. If, you know, if that doesn't scare you, the Gen Z is even worse. 61% expect to leave their job within two years and 12% uh, expect to stay beyond five years. So we're looking at a retention problem in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, almost now and in the future. And uh, what they found is um, you know, for innovation, the prioritization of innovation was stronger with the loyal millennials, the ones that expect to stay beyond five years, at 35% uh, is what they, the, what they gauged that, than ones that were uh, that wishing to leave at 28%. So, I mm. mean, the, the way to sum that up is if you want to keep uh, loyal employees, especially the millennials, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you better innovate. And, uh, and when you do innovate, you better celebrate that, both on the people that are innovating and the company that's, that's done the innovation, everyone needs to be involved in it. And we need to celebrate that, even if it's just recognizing them with a, you know, with a, um, uh, an email, you know, I mean, you'd be surprised how much a pat on the back uh, uh, it goes for, uh, for your employees. But hey, look, I like burritos and I'm sure millennials like Chipotle, okay. <laughs> uh, free burrito every now and then wouldn't be bad either. Um, so, but no, that's important. And the idea of having cheerleaders uh, and users within cheerleaders, that kind of goes back to what I was talking at the beginning with a lot of surveying and kind of getting in depth is once you find someone that's really kind of a hyperactive end user, and I mean that in the best of ways, like someone that's passionate, someone that's really kind of like, you know, like really gets into your survey and, and answers it and just giving you the feedback, recruiting that person to be your internal company cheerleader for the project. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great idea. You know, so as we're, as we're getting all this information, how do we grab that person and then get them to go um, cheerlead us? Because, um, you know, when we say it, it's, it's suspect. When someone else says it, it's true. So um, it's just, uh, that's awesome. Um, I don't know what to say about your statistics. That's uh, completely believable and obviously true. So uh, innovate and celebrate. So, I guess I'll end with this. Do you believe in the saying, never reinvent the wheel, and if it's broke, don't fix it? Never reinvent the wheel. <laughs> and if it's so, broke, don't fix it. Uh, now, I, you know, I subscribe to uh, um, a, a theory of uh, 
always uh, looking at what you're doing uh, and and looking at it again. Um, I have a, I ha- actually I have a uh, um, saying in my, you know, that's it's up on, and I got it, to, I got it like the Hallmark store, right? But it's just a, a piece <laughs> of wood in my office that I I have, and it says, "Do not be afraid of change; be afraid of not changing." Yes. Um, and I have that on there so that everyone knows, um, you know, the whole point of being relevant is to continue to improve. And that's, 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 um, I mean, that's it. I think, I think the old mindset is, is when we get stuck in our IT silos and we get overloaded with a to-do list and a project that might be needs hyper-focus, but then we've, we've got our help desk getting overloaded with tickets and we're trying to deal with all these things and manage all this stuff. And we're really, you know, swamped with context switching being taken from one task to the next, then the other things that are not broken don't get fixed. And it's really not about not fixing, not broken. It's about always staying ahead of the game. It's always about innovating, always being on top of your game. Um, and But I can't tell you how many times I hear, if it's not broke, don't fix it, or I run into that type of mentality. And it might just be, you know, human nature because they're overloaded and really don't know how to kind of get, get a handle on everything. No, I, I, I completely hear you there. And I, and I agree. Um, so, okay. So what's your, what's your one thing? I, I need one thing from you. This is a, some sort of trick tactic, best practice, whatever you say it is, what's the one thing that you would, um, that you want to give? to anyone listening to the show right now that's just real easy, might be different, that they can take back and implement right away? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. The most important piece to anything uh, related to uh, management or uh, um, IT director or whatever you want to uh, talk about is, is leadership and focusing on your employees. Uh, the idea of leadership for everyone is to make sure, and I, and I, explain this to everyone that I work with. My goal is if, and I'll give you an analogy, is if we're in a, let's say we're walking through a, uh, a rainforest and, uh, I, we need to, and my team needs to measure uh, items and, uh, and, and measure all the different pieces of stuff in the rainforest, um, what a leader should do should be at the front of the line with a machete cutting and making a path for everybody, getting bugs on them and making sure they take all that stuff. That way their team can walk through unscathed, making all those measurements. And I really think that people need to focus on that when they focus on leadership, turn around, put the, um, you know, put your needs of the people that are doing the hardcore work in and make sure they have the tools and the resources they need to do the job and stand up for them when they say, Hey, I, I need your help with this. That's the job of a leader, and I need to make sure that, if anything, that comes over to uh, the leaders that are out there, and in fact, even to the newer ones that are going to be coming and entering the workforce. Yeah, that's awesome. So encouraging people to ask for help. A leadership, a leader should be encouraging people to ask for help. Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, it has been a pleasure. I am sure I actually know for a fact I could talk for a lot longer with you and ask endless, um, questions about the phones and go over, uh, how you developed, you know, put together your Moz scores and, um, probably elevator lines and all kinds of other stuff that might, might've been missed or fax lines that weren't, weren't delivering correctly. Um, that would be really exciting for me and boring for other people. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, thanks Michael so much uh, for being on the show. And, um, you know, 
all of the best to you in the future and your future roles. And uh, please, the next, the next big thing that pops up, I want to have you back on the show. Thanks, Phil. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, sir. Have a great day. You too.